Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Joshua T. Berglund, and we are live right now on the Live Model Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. You can find us by downloading our app on Roku or Amazon Fire, or by downloading the E360 app on your smart TVs. I want to thank you so much for being here. Uh, like every broadcast that we do, it's it's going to be full of surprises, and um, we never really know the direction it's going to go. But we do hope to inspire you. We hope to enlighten you, um, and more importantly, we uh, we we aim to put a spotlight on the shadow world. Uh, there's a lot of hidden horrors in this world. Uh, there's a lot of things that have been hiding for centuries that are starting to be uncovered. And it seems like over the last few months, more and more and more, um, more, what's the word I want to use? Uh, more revelations about some, uh, some of the hidden horrors that I was speaking of uh, have been revealed from the very place that you would just not even believe it's possible. And that's the church. Now, I've been very outspoken about the Catholic Church on my programs. I'm not targeting Catholics. I'm not, tar I'm not even targeting religious people. I'm talking about the heads of the organizations, the heads of church. I, I love church. I, miss, I actually miss church. And unfortunately for me, I have not found a church that uh, really has opened up their arms to us. And we love Jesus as much as anyone else. Um, and, and I miss having that community. But it seems like every church that we have gone to, my wife and I and our family, there's been something that's been wrong. And I, I'd love to look at myself, and I have no problem looking at myself in the mirror and saying, hey, you know what? This is on me. I was wrong. My bad. I have no problems admitting the evil that I did in the world. Or even if I sin now, I have no, I have no issue with it. If you've seen the devil inside me, if you read our book, um, or even watched my past broadcast, you know that I'm not afraid to put a spotlight on myself. And while I don't typically target other people, um, today, in a way, I am. Um, and the reason why, and it's not even me that's going to be doing it, but a couple weeks ago, I had the opportunity to interview a, a lovely, amazing couple uh, on a different program that I do with Madison Marquette uh, that exposed a certain ministry. And, you know, I got to tell you, I thought that was a pretty harmless broadcast in comparison to a lot of the other things that I've done. I mean, <laughs> I've given people a lot of reasons to give death threats to me. But this one surprised me because I got I actually got my first set of death threats along with my wife and my sister, my friend Madison. Today, well, <laughs> there's going to be a little bit more of that. And I don't really know the full direction that this is going to go, um, but I do want to say this in advance. I do want to give a trigger warning because I want to be respectful because sometimes talking about these subjects can be very triggering. Listen, I get triggered, it seems like almost every day with something regarding the church. I had another person. What's well, this has gone on for the last month, but I really genuinely with all my heart want to give people the benefit of the doubt. I want to say, I trust you. I'm willing to like ignore these red flags. And before I've done that, because I was partying my discernment away, but now there's no excuse. 
But I got myself in a situation with another person that, under the name of Jesus Christ, decided that they wanted to try to defraud our organization. And who it came from is one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever experienced. And I'm not going to go into all of the story, but it just seems like a lot of these attacks and a lot of these awakenings or revelations all seem to be coming out of the church right now. No wonder we're so screwed up. And no wonder we don't know where to, who to trust because we can't trust our media. We can't trust our church. Uh, it's like, what do you trust? And, and, and people that use the name of Jesus or God or talk about their faith, they seem to be the ones that are betraying people the most. And yet we have this other group of people, the people that were shunned from the church, the people that were rejected from the church, the people that were told to shut up and not speak in the church, the people that gave their testimony in the church, that freaked out the audience because it was just too intense. And they're not welcomed anymore. They're made to feel they don't belong. The misfits, the outcast, the rebels, the ones that have got the scars, the ones that know hell, seem to be the only ones you can count on, and yet they're the ones that don't get a seat at the table with everybody else. Why is that? With everything in me, my wife, with our foundation, the Live Model Worldwide Foundation, and our broadcasting network, we are working to change that. And I want to give a shout out to anyone out there that is out speaking the uncomfortable truths. Because it is not easy, because you set yourself up for more attacks. You thought your life was dangerous. I thought my life was dangerous before Jesus. My God, it is way more dangerous now. I mean, I know it says it in the Bible, but it's just hard to comprehend. I was living a life of evil. I was hurting people. I was defrauding people. I was committing crimes. I was abusing people. I was abusing myself. I was literally in the face of death every single day of my life. And that life was far less dangerous than the one that I'm living now and living for Jesus. But he said there was going to be days like this. So here we are. So today we have, we're going to blow the lid off some more. And I'm humbled and honored to get to be the host of this broadcast. I'm honored to even have the opportunity to give the platform to somebody to share their heart. And I want to encourage each and every one of you out there so that you know that your silence is not helping anybody. Like, yeah, I'm sure there's fear. Like, hey, if you speak, I'm sure someone told you they were going to beat you. They were going to hurt you. They were going to destroy you. They were going to do bad things to your family if you use your voice. So you, you're silent because you're, you're afraid. I promise you that if you speak out, the truth will set not only you free, but all the other people that get to hear the message. Or at least you'll, at the very least, you'll plant a seed. And if you do the things that God call you to do, you better believe he's going to protect you in the process. Doesn't he provide everything that we need? Doesn't he provide everything we need? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of things that we want that we're still waiting on. But aren't your needs taken care of? Well, your protection is one of those things that you need. 
and he will honor, he will protect you and he will honor his word. So I am encouraged, inspired, and humbled by our guest today. So ladies and gentlemen, before we get into that, we'll be right back after this. Uh, for waiting. I want to give a shout out to our sponsors. That was in the video prior to that, but you can also find them on livemonoworldwide.org. But we are very grateful for all of our partners that support uh, our missions. God bless you. Thank you. You can go to our foundation to learn more or go to our website or our foundation to learn more about what we do, uh, who we serve, and about our mission. Uh, you can go to livemonoworldwide.org to check that out. And um, anyway, thank you so much. So today, we are going to blow the roof off. And um, I'm not gonna be the one doing it necessarily. So I'm honored today. And Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to broadcast. Thank you for giving us a platform that even in the face of being kicked off of Facebook and you know censored on every other platform because of the message that we deliver, that you blessed us with our own network that's censorship free and it's allowing us to, to talk about the subjects that you call us to talk about. I would pray, I, Father, I pray for your protection over this broadcast. Uh, for everyone involved, I pray that anyone that is susceptible to triggers, Lord, that you use that trigger, if it's a trigger, uh, to show love and to bring healing and, and comfort. Because, Lord, I just, I just believe that you can use this broadcast for good for people all over the world, especially those who have suffered in silence out of fear um, because, man, I would have never thought the church would be full of as many wicked and evil and people willing to give death threats. <laughs> I've seen, I've been in the devil's den, Lord, and I didn't even ex experience death threats then. But this, this is something else, Lord, but you did say this was going to happen. And uh, so I honor you for keeping your word because I also know in your word that you will protect us and that nothing, nothing can get in the way of what you have called us to do. And nothing can stop people that love you. Nothing, you, you've got us. 
So Father, bless this broadcast, bless everyone that's watching, and I pray that this opens the hearts and minds and awakens people out there that have been blinded by just some of the, just some of the crap that's out there. Lord, I love you. Thank you. I surrender this broadcast to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I, prayer is all over the place today. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, I'm going to pronounce the name wrong, and I hope she will correct me, but um, I have a hard time saying my own name sometimes. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mary Alana. I'm not going to say the last name. I, I'm going to embarrass myself, and forgive me. Will you please say your name for the audience? Maria Elena Vlastikova. That is a beautiful name when you say it, and I would have run it. So it's it, it's you. genetic. You have to have the DNA for it, I think. <laughs> so first things first, will you say, will you tell us what you're grateful for today and why? I'm grateful for the new life and the healing that I've had thus far in a new place with a new name that God has given me. He's given me a family of friends that have blessed me greatly, and I'm very grateful for that. So, and, and that's something to be grateful for, uh, especially in a time right now where a lot of people don't even know where their friends are. I think there's a lot of people that are, have stepped, you know, that are doing something similar to you. And mind you, we all have our own cross to bear and we only have, we have our own hero's journey to walk and you're fully in yours. There's a lot of people waking up and starting to step into that calling in their life. And they, they're finding that it can be very, very lonely at times and very hard to know who to trust. So I find that very encouraging and something very special to be grateful for, especially with the fight that you're taking on. Yes, thank you. Well, so, I, yeah. Oh, well, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You wanna start uh, with how, how, where I came from and all that? that yeah, because I don't know, I honestly don't know where to start with you because it's, I just really want to give you the platform to talk and if I'll, I'll interject if I have something, but I'm very interested in hearing your story. It's funny because you talk about you don't know what's going to happen. I really don't know what's going to happen. I just pray that I'd be coherent and not too tangential. <laughs> so I'm trying to put this all together. But it comes from many different places as all stories do. I was born in an upstate New York town famous for its research and development. Let us say that there was a saying that went around when I was a child, progress is our most important product. If that's a clue for anyone, that's where I came from. I grew up in a very perfect 60s neighborhood. I went to a great school. It was the best of what the American could dream could offer. We were gonna be intellectuals, achievers, scientists, doctors, lawyers. That was the ethos and the gestalt of my childhood. Yet at the same time, of course, we had Holocaust survivors in our neighborhood who were like part of the brain drain from Germany and different places, Latvia. And so I was aware that there was an undercurrent in life because I'd heard their stories of, of some pretty sad and terrible things. And yet I saw that these people were making a new life. It was an inspiration to me as a child. It was also somewhat cautionary because some of their tales were, were very sad indeed. And then as I grew older, when I was 10, of course, Kennedy died. And then we had the constant threat of the A-bomb. Of course, we were the duck for cover generation. And so as a child, that breeds a sense of, you don't really trust your environment as much as people tell you you should. So there's a quiet part of you that sort of disconnects and says, hmm, something's not right in all this perfection. So that is how I grew up. 
And by the time I was in my 20s, my parents had been transferred to a, a great opportunity, but it was in South Africa. And of course, I couldn't resist that. And I did go there and live there for a while. And for a very spoiled middle class child who grew up with great ideals, American ideals, a country in the middle of apartheid, which was worse than anything that you could ever imagine during the segregation of the South, was quite mind blowing for me. I, I, I was almost at the point of a nervous breakdown. I had never seen human suffering or the disparity of wealth to quite the degree that I did in South Africa. And I spent about a year there and I ended up later marrying an Englishman and getting saved in England in the 70s. And I did have a life in England for a while and I had my first child there, who's now in her 40s. But things did not go well because that marriage ended in divorce due to alcoholism. I started my life again back home with my parents in the 80s and I went to nursing school, became a nurse. And then after nursing for a while and finding being a single parent with a small child and being a nurse was very difficult, I opted for a less stressful job. And during that time, I met my second husband and that marriage too ended in divorce. So by the time I was 40, you know, I'd gone through quite a lot, but I, I was willing always to keep trying. And so I did find a pastor, an assistant pastor in a large mega church in this unnamed upstate town. And I thought I was gonna live happily ever after. Now, by this time I was 44 years old and I found lo and behold, I was pregnant with my second child. My then husband was in his fifties and everyone was calling us Sarah and Abraham. And we were going to live this wonderful life of serving the Lord. And I was all for it and completely into it, dragging my teenager in tow into full-time ministry. And that is really when things began to unravel. This so let me ask you something really quick before yes. you go into that. Mm -hmm. Full-time ministry, like, were you pretty ramped up for that? Were you excited or were you dreading it? Uh, I was willing. I mean, you know, a good Christian is always willing to do what God puts before you or what you think God puts before you. And so I was mm -hmm. all for it. I, I did my little level best. But after a while, I was beginning to hear stories because people would confess to me incest, all of these things that I wasn't prepared to hear. And lo and behold, it turned out the pastor was having affairs, you know, on a regular basis and it was being hushed up. So of course, what happens at the top trickles down. So that's no surprise. So my then husband and I, who I will call John for these purposes, decided to leave that church and he started out on his own. But before he did that, he joined forces with another sort of outlying Pentecostal church in a country area that was kind of a independent, I'd say lone wolf operation. Right. And that's really where the trouble began because unbeknownst to me, the gentleman who ran that church, who by profession was a social worker, I looking back now retrospectively, I believe that he was able to affect a type of mind control and he certainly directed at my husband. He hired him to work around the church, so he became his employee, which was kind of an, an interesting dynamic, and then proceeded to type of brainwash him, telling him that I had a spirit of Jezebel. I mean, just really crazy stuff, inciting him to fast for a 40-day fast, which he, as a day laborer he, in his age was unwise to do. And when I protested, of course, I was being a Jezebel and this, this was announced at church and then people stopped talking to me and 
my daughter lost friends and my husband proceeded to have a nervous breakdown, which of course I couldn't get anyone to help me because I was the, you know, I was the Jezebel. So this was my first experience of witchcraft in the church. I, I, I was only in my 40s. I had a young child and a teenager. This was very disconcerting. And then my husband was having what I consider religious ideations, which I now know are not just a mental illness. He was seeing things and hearing things that were just not biblical and I couldn't get any help. Uh, but with the help of some friends who were not professional counselors, we did manage to patch up the marriage. And this went on for another few years until the ideation became so severe that I felt that both my daughter and myself were at risk and I ended the marriage. Can, can you can, hold it really quick? Yes. I need to go back to the brainwashing. So, there, the people that watch this program are from either never heard of brain. Well, they've heard of it for me, but they don't know the examples. And I've talked about the mind control technologies that can be used, but there's other ways to induce mind control. On that people. are probably more basic. If you befriend someone, someone perhaps who has a somewhat weak ego or has some weaknesses and you start to build them up in the areas. You're great at this. We so need you. We love you. And you love on them like a narcissist does. And then you pretty much have a person like that in your command. And then you can say, well, you know, your wife is not really helping or she's not supporting you know, the little things, the little things. Little, but this oh, the, yeah, that's an effective tool, though. So be, being someone who once was a private nurse investigator, I began to investigate past uh, occurrences in the church. I made some phone calls and discovered that this was a pattern. He had done this to other marriages. Okay. And so I walked in the church because I'm very direct. If you cross me and I say, okay, we can have this out here in front of everybody or we can go upstairs. And they took me upstairs because they wanted to hush hush it. And, and it turned out that he had done that before. And I said, you, you're going you're to have to repent of this because you're, you're destroying people's lives. You're just destroying people's minds. Uh, you have my husband now hallucinating and you think this is okay. So I did get him to quote unquote apologize. But after that, it was like, if you leave this church, you're leaving our covering and Satan's going to get, you know, the usual mind control stuff. So way, way, I got away from that. But as the years went by with my then husband, he was already succumbing to, I, I, I now know it was, it was a spiritual, it was, it was really demonic and I didn't quite understand it, but it was a little bit scary. He, he could, he could, blank out and not remember things that he did that were you know sort of devious or, or or even cruel he cut the phone off and then he denied he did it that that kind of thing so i was very un, uh, disturbed with a 10 year old and so i i told him i'm i'm leaving and i did leave the marriage i said yeah i want to have you close by so that you can still see our daughter but i felt that i had to protect her little did i know that i was too late I homeschooled my daughter and we had a very close relationship and I taught her the word and we would pray together. But around about the time she was 12, my then husband bought her a Mac computer, which I thought was a little much for a 12 year old. It was several thousand dollars. And I objected, but of course, no kid is going to refuse a computer. Little did I know what she would find on that computer. I myself am not particularly computer literate, so I had a hard time trying to keep up with her. But while she was on that computer, he allowed her to sign up on Facebook. Now, this was back in 2006 when Facebook was new. I really didn't know what it was. I wasn't happy about it. 
And my, my older daughter sent me a screenshot. She said, Mom, I think you've got to do something. Dad's let Lisa go on Facebook. And there, lo and behold, was my daughter in a T-shirt pulled down like this with a ribbon on her neck, posing in her father's living room, and 20-year-olds are talking to her online. Oh, God. What was your reaction to that? I... I don't, I don't think I could even breathe. So I took a screenshot of it. I printed it off and I brought it to him and I showed it to him. And he said, well, that's nothing. All the kids are on Facebook. I said, it's not even legal for her to be on Facebook. And at this age, she's considered a minor, even by Facebook standards. He refused to do anything about it. I said, will you allow me to monitor her if you're too busy? No. So I couldn't understand this attitude. It was so out in left field and 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 i was furious so i took it to the local police station and they said lady take her out of there so i moved to new hampshire to get as far away as i could and yet be close enough to still see my family and allow my daughter to occasionally see her father under supervision and you know and and basically have some relationship with him so he'll continue to pay child support of which after you know without which we wouldn't survive so I moved up to New Hampshire and I thought we were going to have a pretty happy life, but I didn't understand at the time that some of my daughter's habits and quirks were the result of PTSD. She would have auditory sensitivities. She had a very strong startle reflex and she had some learning disabilities that had, were no reflection of an intelligence, but I thought at the time were just from the trauma of the divorce and everything that had ensued, but it sure. turns out I was wrong. When she turned 18, she started seeing some boys in the neighborhood, which I supervised as best that I could. But it turns out one of them claimed that he was the victim of MK Ultra mind control. Well, during the ensuing years from 12 to 16, it was my daughter Lisa who was studying MK mind control. She would show me all kinds of things on the internet. I find them interesting, but I thought it was just kind of an adolescent interest I, I was but she kept saying mom mom i'm sure dad is one of them i'm sure and i'm sure dad is one of them and i kept thinking this is adolescent fantasy i i just couldn't really buy it but everything i learned about mk ultra mind control including this terrible book transformation of america are you familiar with it no it's, it's really a, her story as an mk ultra mind control victim but after you read it, you feel like you've been to a funeral for about a week. So it's very hard to recover from. So I don't recommend it to everyone. So she would begin to print articles about this. So I started studying it, but I still didn't believe it had any connection to her father. I thought that was just her way of explaining her father's behavior and part of teenage fantasy. I didn't take her seriously. I didn't take this young man seriously because I thought it was intention ga gathering. And I wasn't, I, I didn't entirely buy it possible but I couldn't buy it but during the time that we were in Littleton she actually met I don't know if my daughter had a radar or whether it was because she was interested in these things and therefore the devil was aware of it and brought them to her attention but she met a young man who later turned out to be a runaway victim so he says of MK ultra mind control and when he found out I knew about it he got down on the ground and kissed my feet he said I, 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 I never find people like you. Don't ever, he was kidding. He said, don't ever leave me. So I'm beginning to think that maybe that was true of him. Well, lo and behold, two weeks later, after his introduction to us, 
there's a car accident and he's nearly hit by a truck and he disappears. So these things kept happening. Well, eventually my daughter ran away over, she ran away almost without any warning. And I tried to find out where she was and it turned out she was in the home of this boyfriend up a long dirt road in, in Vermont near the Canadian border, very, very remote place, a family who had built a cabin up there, who I later discovered had done the same thing to other girls. Their last name was Duffy and they're part of the Duffy Mafia, but I didn't know that then. One of the young people who was associated with this young man in this family said, they're going to turn your daughter against you. They're going, they're going to break her down. Well, this was terrifying for me. I had a husband who wasn't supportive. My family were very logic-driven intellectuals who thought this was crazy. And there I was in northern New Hampshire on my own with this. My reaction was to get a crowbar and break down the door of that house. But I, I couldn't get my daughter out. And I was very fortunate. The police let me go. And then I was told because she was overage, there was nothing I could do. I haven't seen her since. Wait, but, what I have, but what I have seen of her is what she puts on Facebook and it makes Perry, is it Katy Perry look mild by comparison? And she has every in, indication of multiple personality syndrome. It's very, very disturbing to a mother. Also known as DID. Yes, DID, which she claimed to have had at one time. Now she's claiming it's PTSD. So over the years, I've been watching her Facebook. I'm with many, many, as I'm finding out, single parents. Usually there was a divorce. It's a pattern or an absent father or a father who was absent spiritually. And the children just go AWOL and they're never seen again. So this is a common pattern. And I've been in on this journey for a very long time. But on my way, I met uh, Anna Mendez. I met some prophets who had prophetic words for me, which were encouraging. And I've learned a lot. But no one, especially a parent, would ever want to be on this journey to see your child hijacked and then discover, as I did later, when I started going back to my daughter's friends to find out what happened, they said, oh, yeah, she told us your husband molested her, but she didn't want to tell you, ever tell you, because she thought you'd kill him. But that's apart from her behavior and the testimony of teenagers. I have no evidence of that, as he's now deceased. But he, so that basically, if that's true, that means he groomed her in such a way that she wanted to protect him. Yes. Right? So it's a trauma bond. And I later studied with someone who said they typically do things like take the child on fishing trips or on, or to work with them. And they also engaged in roughhousing and wrestling to normalize the touching behavior. And those are all things that happened. And of course, I, I was almost suicidal realizing that I hadn't made those connections. But typically, a wife does not. And I had to hire a psychologist to talk to my parents for $100 an hour to tell them how this happens. And they rejected it. And, and they were very angry with me. But now I do think they do believe me. But for a while, I lost my entire family and my eldest daughter who didn't want anything to do with this and who refuses to see me. So I'm totally estranged from my family, except for my parents, my sister and my brother-in-law. So what motivated you to start speaking out? Because evidently there's a lot more that goes on. I mean, there's a lot more that you've become through this journey you're on. You've been exposed to a lot more evil. Yes, and I've even been exposed to other women who've gone through it. I, two, two Easter's ago, it was a very dark day. It was, I think it was a day of a tornado here. The skies were black, not very Easter-like. And I was going through one of 
one of my many terrible grief stricken anguishes. And I remember shaking my fist at God and saying, you show me, you show me another woman who's gone through this and stuck with you. <laughs> Little did I know when my good friend invited me to see a friend of his, that the family I met there were also victims and their child was killed by the organization that they came against. They were praying against Les Wexter and Epstein in Ohio and they were targeted. Do you want to explain the Epstein uh, Ohio connection, like give a brief synopsis? Because a lot of people think New York, the Bahamas, they don't know about the Ohio connection. Columbus, Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. All, all I know from my friend is Wexler had an establishment there. And he I know he was trying to buy radio stations. He particularly wanted to buy Christian radio stations and stuff them out, snuff them out, which is why they were praying against that. He wanted to establish something there. And that's all I know from my friends. And of course, he probably had all kinds of people going in and out of there and lots and lots of links to pedophilia. Columbus, Ohio is just linked to it. Yeah. There, well, for those of you out there that are listening and watching right now, you can go look up, you can just search Epstein, Columbus, Ohio, and there's a ton of information. I recommend using DuckDuckGo, which actually Google bought, which is weird, but for some reason you can still see stuff there that you can on Google. With that said, you can see that connection and the roots are deep. And it's just amazing to me that so much of this evil is right in the middle of the heartland. It's just wild. And, and it's very interesting because I could tell by what she didn't say, because I was a survivor of some, what had really happened. And I started blurting out questions. And she said, how did you know? How did you, how did you know? How did you know? I said, because I can tell by what you didn't say about this child, what the truth was. They initially thought it was a suicide. He was hung by a cord in the back of their shed and they were told it was a suicide, but they really couldn't get any very good answers from the police. And through prayer and much, much seeking of the Lord, my friend discovered a prophetic counselor who told her that actually her son had been killed by the mafia, which links to something I also discovered about three years ago. My daughter printed a photo of herself in her bra and panties being shaved, her head being shaved by her father. He was very nonchalant, he was shaving her head She's staying there in his bathroom, which I knew, in bra and panties. And that picture later turned into one she put on Facebook, which was very obscene. So he essentially groomed her for that photo. When I first saw that photo, which she published online, I, bought, I did something I never do. I went out and bought some wine and started to drink because I didn't think I could handle it. I, I need to say something really quick. Hmm. Um, because you're touching on something that is hits home for me. I remember, and this is on me, but I was in a dark, dark place at the time. I, it was my second marriage. I was still battling my drug chem sex addiction and was not there and I was not very present. And I didn't really have a relationship with my daughter at the time. I mean, we were in each other's lives. She would come stay with us. and But I wasn't paying attention like I should have, but she was on Facebook, she was underage you know, pretending to be someone older and she's chatting with older guys. The pictures she was posting, the things that she was sharing, the conversation she was having, you know, I said something about it, but I never really even, it never dawned on me what was taking place and what was happening. 
And looking at it now, as I have a five and six year old daughter, and I'm hyper aware of everything. Like I can see the pedophilia imaging mm -hmm. in the rat dolls. I can see it in the LOL dolls, the new Disney right. dolls. All the Disney I mean, stuff. Now I'm like, I'm aware. Like I know, because I've been in this fight a little bit. But knowing what I know now, parents, if your kids are going home with LOL dolls and things like that, or their kids are wearing suggestible clothing. And I know being a prude and I don't want to be churchy and I see it on TV all the time. Mm -hmm. What's the big deal? I'm telling you that the sexualization of children, it's been very, very sneaky how it's happened, but it is an epidemic. If you do not stop it now, you are setting yourself up for a lot of what I'm going through. What you're going through, but and look, and I I gotta be careful how I say this because my daughter does watch my show sometimes. Mm -hmm. My daughter got herself in some situations where she was being trafficked. And I don't know how much she could really comprehend it or not. Um, and mind you, she's kind of out of it now, but she's still hovering in that world because she likes the money. And it's terrifying because her life, because she's still young and beautiful, and a lot going for her, but she is in the mouth of the beast, but she's so blinded by the money, she cannot see the traps. And unfortunately, I wasn't a good father to be there to stop this. Well, before that's, that's key. The absent or the passive father is key in all that, and it's just so prevalent. Yeah. And, and that's how case, we know how to identify you. Yeah, in my case, unbeknownst to me, her father was actively undermining her probably to get back at me, I, I don't know, it's so insidious, I can't really grasp it. Because on the surface, he was again, and this is the other part of my story, minister, you know, minister sinister, minister anointed, this is the, you know, the duality of it all, which is so confusing and distressing to, to the whole body of the church, because it's very prevalent, very, very prevalent. How's your relationship with the church now? Well, I go to a church in Alabama run by Robin Bullock and his wife, Robin, and I, and I love them and I trust them. And I, I travel 150 miles whenever I can to go there. Wow. As you know, I, I live in an undisclosed location in Cleveland. The irony being that I came to Cleveland, Tennessee to escape when I left in the unnamed town in New York. There was tremendous irony that when I watched your show last week or so that I discovered that things were not quite what I thought. Although yeah. I, knew some I knew some of that before. I didn't know what Miss Marquette had said. I knew some of the other things that had happened to the ministry. And I thought, well, there goes another one bites the dust. As for the rest of it is yet to be proved, but. You don't happen. have to name any names, but do you care to share some of these other things that you've been exposed to? That have you know that are part of the reason why you live isolated and under a different name. Well, I'm also aware that if if my daughter was targeted because of me, I don't think my former husband had the wherewithal. Even my daughter used to say, if he was MK Ultra, he was Gamma level. He was like it was like asking Gomer Pyle to be a, you know a spy. He, he wasn't really the type. So I I don't know if there was anyone else or anything else behind it which of course is one reason why I changed my name. The other reason is because my daughter actually actively persecutes me and she has made 
dozens of videos, not just mocking me, but actually because their mind gets split and they believe things that aren't true, which is something you have to remember about people who are who are mind controlled or trafficked. They have such split minds that sometimes the reality is very altered. She tells people that I starved her, beat her, that I was, she goes on to long tales of how abusive I I was. In other words, she's projecting the abuse she received from others on me, but she's done it via video. So I definitely don't want to be a part of that. And also when someone is that split and is that aggressive, you really don't want them to even know where you live. And in many ways, she she's she's dangerous to the point where I, I certainly wouldn't trust being around her right now. I don't know who she is. She's multiple of many things and very angry. Yeah, I, I need to speak to the DID population because I've, you know, I live that life and everything she's saying is true. I wasn't safe. It wasn't safe to be around anybody. Um, I mean, mind you, I my mom has been like the one steady thing in my life. And now, thank God, uh, thank, I mean, truly thank the Lord that I have the wife that I have now after the life that I lived. But I wasn't safe. And I tell people all the time that if you're in a relationship with someone with DID and they haven't done the work to heal, they're not doing it day in, day out, and they don't live it, the odds of you surviving that relationship are that or less than that. And 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 for the, the radio and podcast audience, I'm basically making the space between my fingers as small as possible. There's no, it is it is a recipe for disaster because literally one second could be woo happy happy hey, I'm the, like having the time of my life. I'm full of purpose, full of life because I could be in my Christian altar. Right. I could be in my full of Jesus altar, which is very real. And then you say something, and it could be the smallest thing. It could be butterfly, and all of a sudden, and you're getting your ass beat. Yes. That's the reality. My daughter made a song, and she put it on video, and it's called Glitch, Glitch, Baby Switch. And she was really speaking of herself. For example, she betrayed her best friend who she was living with. Her best friend got married. I think she was jealous of the young man. The young man's mother gave him a gun and said, you need this for protection. Now, in New York State, you can't have any kind of unregistered gun. My daughter was beginning to, to act up, so they took, they took some responsibility, and they went to see her shrink, and her shrink said, uh, Lisa is a danger to herself and others. You need to get away and get out of that apartment or get her out of there. In any case, you've got to get rid of that gun. Well, they went and they put the gun in the glove compartment of the car. So it wasn't in the house anymore. She just, Lisa discovered this and she called the police on them. And that young man spent two years in jail. That is how dangerous my daughter can be. With no, and she has no remorse to the fact that she even denies doing it. She may not even know that she's doing it. Yes. And that's the other point for those of you in relationships or have somebody that in your family with DID. But even if you have DID and you're watching this, and I know there's a lot of you out there, you have to do the right thing and separate yourself from people, isolate and get help, do the work. God will heal you. God will heal you. And look, the most painful thing in the world that you can do is isolate. I get it because you don't trust yourself. 
I get it. I lived that life, but I did it. I, I isolated. I did the work and I healed and I learned to be alone with myself. And slowly but surely, and it's taken a long time, but it's been worth it because everything I've lost has been restored with the exception of my baby twins. And now they're 16, but they will be back in my life eventually because God will restore everything that I've lost. But you have to heal first. In every relationship you, you go after, in every relationship you bring in your life, this could be work, it could be business, it could be love, it could be sex, it could be drug dealers, it doesn't matter. It's a volatile and dangerous relationship until you get help. You gotta get help and, and you also have to, and for those of you that love somebody with DID, you gotta do what it takes to protect yourself and also setting the boundaries and keeping the boundaries is the most important thing you can do because your life is at stake. This is not to over-dramatize it, but I was inches from killing a lot of people. Inches. It's a real monster disease. And look, you can be delivered from it and still have DID, but it's still just as volatile. So I know you have some experience on that, but if you want to comment on what I just said, go for it. Well, I think that was really what my former husband had. I'm not sure if he was MK Ultra. It was certainly... He's, well, he was manipulated by stronger personalities who probably knew he had a problem they could manipulate. Mm -hmm. But then that result is the same. It doesn't really matter how it, what the provocation was or what the source. The net behavior is the same. Yeah. The unreliability, the, what, what my PhD psychologist friend has told me is called dis, disassociative amnesia. As you were talking, that part of you didn't even know that other part of you did that? So, for example, I would take that photo of my daughter on Facebook being obscene. I would take it to my former husband and he would just shrug. It's like he had no idea that he was part of that. Or, or he denied it for another reason. I don't know. But the net result is it's very damaging, extremely damaging. Well, also good liars, too. Um, yes, very that's true. why now the part of my healing was learning to tell the truth. <laughs> it's like... And that was an ordeal. My reason, that was a command from God I took serious. My like father used to tell, just to say this about my former husband, he's got more, whop, tells more Whoppers than Burger King. <laughs> it's, like, it's true. I'd lie, honestly, I would, I'd lie about the dumbest things. Like I ordered a cheese, speaking of Whoppers, I'd order a Whopper with one slice of cheese, not three. Like, who does that, first of all, and why would you even lie about it? But that is something so dumb that if I thought that that is what the person needed to hear, that's what I would say. Or sometimes I would just say stupid stuff. I, I lied about getting arrested one time. This is how stupid it was. I was afraid. I didn't want to because I was still very, like, had a weird relationship with church. And, like, and I wanted to fit in so bad. And I remember one day... I showed up late for fishing. This is the dumbest story. I can't even believe I'm telling it. But I showed up late for fishing with some friends that were taking me out on their boat. I'd never been fishing before. And anyway, I was late. And the excuse I gave them is I told them that I got arrested for driving 150 miles an hour or something stupid like that. And that's why I was late. I, I told them that because I didn't want to tell them that I was actually at church because I was embarrassed to be known as somebody that went to church. And as stupid as that is, I've got lies that are way worse than that. 
But that is that mind, that disassociated identity disorder or the habit of learning to lie, whatever it may have it been. It comes with it, yeah. It comes with it, and it's a scary thing. And here's the other thing about DID. You can have the person telling you, I didn't switch, I didn't switch, I promise it's me, it's me, it's me. And really it's just the demon inside of them ready to eat you alive. Well, is it the demon or the other personality? Because as we know from the work of the CIA who took in the Joseph Mengele's uh, work in, in, the, in the prison camps, the, the split personality is part of your soul. And this is what even um, says. Sense. It's a part of you that's been split off because of the trauma. You've got that, then you have the demon. So sometimes you don't know what you're dealing with. And I'm not sure you can exorcise a piece of someone's soul. I don't think that works, which is why when I did a lot of praying, I could never understand why I couldn't get these demons under any under God's authority. Because maybe they weren't demons. Maybe they were pieces of her or pieces of him. Okay, so we talked about this before um, when we were talking on the phone earlier. Like my altars had different sexualities. And that's how I knew, that's how I could become aware as I got older of the switch. Because I was like, oh, this is what, <laughs> and it was, it's a silly thing to be able to identify. But literally, when you don't know who you are, you'll grasp at anything. The one thing that I was always afraid of, and my wife, I wish she would actually come down to talk about this. She knows, she can see it. She can see when I switch, even if it's one of my minor alters. The eyes. It's it, the eyes, but she can see. Gestures, uh, expressions. Yeah. Oh. Well, too, which I don't understand how that works, but she's able to. It's the it's soul. The you what? That's the power of the soul that she's and she's a, My oh, wife is a, an earth angel, I swear to you. Um, but now she can see it. Now she doesn't see me switch, which is kind of a my, is a, some of the characteristics are there, but I'm not switching. And so I, I do know what you're talking about on the soul. It's a soul split. However, I do know based on the sexuality part of it, that there's a certain level I can get to or an altar that I go to that's the warning. That's the one that's saying to me, you go any further with this, you're, you're going to let the passenger come in. Mm -hmm. And the passenger is the one that I could disappear for months at a time. It's already one thing to lose, to not know what I did or not know what I said. I, to live that life is kind of weird. So I learned how to take lots of notes. But it's the takeover where it's like this Joshua, who I am, I am Joshua now. Joshua's gone, and what is here is, is truly a demon. That's why we wrote the book, The Devil Inside Me, because that's what it was. But I had all the altars leading up to it. So what you're saying is right. It's a soul split, but there is something very demonic waiting on the other it's, end of all it's of the it. Open, it's, the open, it's the open door to that, yes. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So what is it now that... Because to speak out takes a ton of courage because you're you're going to when people see this, your daughter is going to find out, maybe find out about it. I don't know. This this is just how it works. Uh, other people, people are going to talk, know about the church you're talking about. They're going to be able to put two and two together. So this is going to bring some heat for you and for me. Well, that's that interesting. Said, what is your what is the what is your greatest hope in all of this? 
that you were able to do with speaking out the way that you are? Well, it, 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 it's a comfort to know that you're not alone. I've, I've discovered two other women who who gone through this with the the incest or the everything and the destruction of the family. It's it's a we're in a battle, and what the church really didn't tell us, wonderful hippie '70s Christians, is that the casualties are real. Sometimes even to death, the destruction of personality, even to death. We weren't really told that people could die in this. So the fact that I'm still alive, that my daughter is still alive, that I've had prophetic words to encourage me that she is going to come out of this. What I want to tell people is even though I'm in the middle of this battle and it's been terrible. I mean, there've been times when I was almost suicidal. There was, I was hit by a truck because I wanted to die. That's another story. Yeah. Um, you, you, God will sustain you. He will sustain you. He, there is a, there is hope. There is a way out of this because as we've been hearing from the prophets, what's going to change is God is going to pour out his glory on all flesh. This is the time. Many times we think, well, why can't this happen now? Why, 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 why? But really it's because it's very much like the time of Daniel. There was a stronghold and the angel couldn't come for 21 days. Only in our case, my case, it's been eight years. But in the case of the world, it's been thousands of years. The strongholds that are about to fall are going to allow the glory to come down. And there, there's going to be what they call the key of David. The key of David is going to be a frequency and it's going to change everyone's thinking and it's going to be instantaneous. And that's the hope that I want to give to people. So you're, are you saying, in your opinion, I've never actually heard of key of David. I'd write that down. The, um, are you suggesting that even those that are not believers yes. are going to experience the glory of God? So you're, are you suggesting that everyone will be saved? They will have an opportunity to choose to to respond to this frequency of the Lord, of the living God, or not. And yeah, that, it, it will wake up our children, the ones who are lost. I've been hearing it from the prophetic, from Robin Bullitt, from Julie Green, from Anna Marie Stronghold, from Hank Kuhneman, from Kent Christmas. These are my people. I listen to them. And I would encourage everyone to listen to them because the end of this, the strongholds that we are talking about that caused all this to happen, they're very ancient. In fact, a lot of them started in Kazaria, which is Ukraine. Yeah. And yeah. it's going full circle now because that area is being attacked. So we see that as a sign that the strongholds that are keeping people in bondage, our children, our loved ones, our spouses, our friends, in this demonic split bondage, which is their 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 hallmark their their stock and trade it's going to end because this is going to this is going to be broken by this key of david this frequency change in the earth that god is going to bring sometime this year i believe the, the free well the, the, i heard for the very first time i've been listening i had somebody on my show a deliverance minister that goes to the courts of heaven to do her yes, deliverance of that never heard of that in my life oh yes robert and, and i have a whole course now on my computer all of these different prayers and i've been going to these to take these strongholds because i've been through deliverance i one of the deliverance i believe i had something put in me but that's a whole other story um which is this is the nature of uh, look <laughs> the spiritual world is way more real than the real world and you got to be very careful what prophets you trust, which which I've learned from my experience, 
which deliverance ministers, which churches, which, you just got to like use discernment about everything. There's so I don't much know prophet. Yeah. Say again? There's so much nuance, you know, in, yeah. in spiritual deception. When to, when they said first Timothy 4, 4, it says, in latter times, there'll be many deceiving spirits. We're not talking about the obvious one like John of God. We're talking about real subtlety. Oh yeah, and it's sneaky and deceiving. But anyway, this courts of heaven, I heard one of the things that was mentioned that I'd never heard before, and I asked God today for confirmation. Is this like real, this Jesus frequency? Is this a real thing? Because it sounds very Christ consciousness to me when I hear frequency, although that Jesus does talk about vibration and frequency. but I, to me, it sounded like that. So it was like, is this like, do I need to be listening to this? So now hearing you talk about it is very interesting to me because this frequency, to me, when I think frequency, I think vibration. I think going into 5D, like we live in 3D, going into 5D. I think, you know, your higher self. I think vibration. I think, you know, elevating out of, elevating ourselves into heaven, bringing heaven to earth. I, I think of all these things. Yeah, they, I, think I, I might do that too, but there's a real and a, and, and a false version of that, just like there are real and false $20 bills, but that doesn't make $20 bills worthless. So I need you to clarify then, if it's there's, since you know the differences, please explain what it is, because I have an audience right now, when they hear the word frequency, they think Christ consciousness, or they think spiritual, but not religious, or they think new age. And or they think, hey, I know exactly what she's talking about. So we have a mix here. So will you clarify what it all means? Well, I'm not a physicist, but I do know that that very low frequencies affect the mind. And of course, the other side knows that too, because they bombard the earth with it. Frequencies affect cellular division. Frequencies can affect bacteria and viruses. In fact, they can be killed just by finding out what their frequency is and amping up the frequency just a little bit higher. And of course, you heard about the change in the frequencies that was made after World War II. I think the 444 megahertz was changed in all instruments and it was downgraded, I think, to a a lower number. And this Mm -hmm. affects people differently. So frequencies are very important. And the key of David is a frequency that is so powerful that even Saul the madman's demons were were quelled because they couldn't stand it. So even if it isn't a frequency that we can measure or know in the physical realm, it's something that God is doing. And it's going to awaken people to him as never before and and break up our lost loved ones because we can't go out as a church with so many that are afflicted like myself and, and your children. Because if we're gonna be crossing over the Red Sea, we're gonna have no afflictions, no illnesses, our clothes and our sandals are not going to wear out. I and mean, that's who we're supposed to be. I agree with every word of that. Days, you know, and we're, yeah, we're, I agree with every word of that. we're definitely in the final days, not the end of the world, but the final days. So we're going to have to be equipped and restored. And I've heard. Hey, people- do me a favor and explain yeah. that to other people too, because people do. I, to me, when someone says the end of the world, I also hear the beginning is near because there is going to be a new heaven and new earth. That's true. So I'm excited for all that's taking place right now. And what the prophets are saying, and Tony, as Tony Arami, he, a Briton, he's a good one. He explains how we have at least nine or ten years left, and it's going to be a type of a renaissance. I mean, yes, bad things are going to continue to happen, but there's going to be 
a renaissance that the Holy Spirit, that the glory of God can come down and function. And that is why these strongholds are coming down because they've been preventing that all this time. It's very difficult for us to look at this in terms of thousands of years, but that's that's God's timing because Jesus came in 2000 years ago, but at 2033 is his actual legal 2000 years. So we still have some time yet before he comes back and certainly before the rapture. And he doesn't want to come back for a church that's all wounded and afflicted and hiding and distraught and torn apart and sick. So he's going to restore us for his sake, if not for ours. And that's something that I want to encourage everyone who's going through what I'm going through is it is coming. It is coming. And I've been told it's coming this year because this is the harvest, the year of reckoning, both for good and for ill. If you had a good sowing, you're going to have a good harvest. And if you sowed badly, you're going to have a bad harvest and it's going to happen this year. And it's already starting to happen. We're seeing it on the news. So anyone who's gone through something, there is hope because the end of it is coming and the restoration is coming. Very Hallelujah. Yeah, I have chills right now. I, I, um, I love that. It's and the law I, of the I harvest. It. It's the law of the harvest. And I was taught that by Robin Bullock. He's, he teaches a tremendous he has a tremendous teaching on the law of the harvest because we think of it as, oh, you get bad. No, it's 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 the good as well. But harvest has a season. You plant, you water, you sow, and then you harvest. And we are in the harvest season at this time. But it's not the end of the age. It's just the beginning of the end, <laughs> as you say. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're getting ready to head into, I mean, this is the beginning of the fourth industrial revolution and mm -hmm. life is going to look a lot different soon. Mm -hmm. And but I'm like I said, I'm excited for all of it. And here's the other thing too. I want to suggest this to everyone out there. If you're a lot of people were hoping, like, oh, Jesus is coming back now, he's coming back soon. If you're living your life sitting around waiting on Jesus, you're living for Jesus the wrong way. You're living for Jesus the wrong way. Because right now there is a true battle. And look, we don't fight with the weapons that are happening in Ukraine and Russia and the bombings all over the world that keep happening from, I'm not gonna go down that wormhole, but we fight differently. We fight with our testimony. We fight with, with our being able to, knowing our authority, we fight with that. We, we are a light in this dark world. Like I got this lighthouse over here just to remind me, be the light in the dark, be the light in the dark. Because right now what's happening, there's a shaking happening. And people are starting to find out that the United States are not the good guys. They haven't been the good guys in a long time, if ever. But they're Ukraine and Russia. They're not the good guys either. They're not. And, and, and people are going to find out what was really in the jab. And I'm doubling down on it now because I saw, I mean, all over the world, there's news reports about what's really in the jab and what's happening. And I've been saying it for two years to people. And when people find out that their government, the people that they trusted, the doctors that they trusted, have deceived them, they're going to be broken. So this, for you, believers, I don't even like to use the word Christian, but you, the people that love Jesus, that live your life for the Lord, your purpose, if you ever doubted it, it's about to hit you right in the face because there's going to be people all around you, including your, it could be a spouse, it could be your family. It could be your friends that betrayed you, that turned their back on you. But just know that your time is coming. Your time to step up 
and to get in a game where you're needed by the Lord. You're always needed, but you're really about to be needed. And now is your time to play. But sitting around and waiting on Jesus is not how things are going to get done. Although I do understand how that paradigm emerged. Think of the Obama administration. When, during those years, I can recall seeing the prison cars, because I lived in upstate New York, were being sent from western New York downstate. And I had a friend who knew, lived near a train station downstate. I would call her and say, they're coming. And about maybe eight to 10 hours later, she would tell me they're here. So we thought for sure we were going to be imprisoned or martyred. We were preparing for the rapture. We were preparing for martyrdom in those days. Sure. So we've all had to make a paradigm switch because Obama was a, was a type of antichrist. I mean, he lacks the gravitas for it, but let's face it. But he certainly was a forerunner and one who was paving the way. So for many of us who, who find it difficult to think that God is going to do all these wonderful things and that we're not all going to suffer and then finally die miserable, which is, because this is really what we were taught as Christians. This is how we are, our end would be. It's very hard for them to make the paradigm switch to we're going to have this brief renaissance and the glory of God is going to come down and many people are going to get saved because it's all about souls. Yeah. We never thought of that. We thought, well, maybe we can just hunker down and survive for a while until they finally kill us. <laughs> that was really all that all that we could look forward to, and I was one of them. You know, so I, I was teaching my children. You know, we may have to be martyrs for Christ. You know, no one. You know what? I'm so glad that I rejected that version of faith, or I don't even want to call it faith. That seems like a dirty word. Uh, that version of religious Christianity, I wanted no part of that because that did not sound like a life worth living to me. It it it, I, it, 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 it deceived a lot of us. It deceived a lot of us. But but speaking of deception, the very thing that you describe about yourself is true of many, many ministers, including the ones that was mentioned last week. And um, it's it's going to be devastating for people. I, I am in touch with people that are in that ministry and their reaction was, I hope it's not true. But if it is, it has to come out. Yeah, I you know what I um. And, so, and supposedly, based on the amount of death threats that I'm getting from that congregation, uh, including my wife and, and Madison both, I, I got to tell you, um, I would think that they would be fighting differently if it wasn't true. Well, so, here's the thing, which you, can, which you can always apply the principle of plausible denial. I do believe the person that's doing that is a young man who lives here who who has a criminal record and is somewhat mentally unstable, but he's doing uh, it. He's no, doing it. Now. I know, I know, I know who you're talking about. Okay. And he does horrible job of researching <laughs> some of this stuff. He said he's going to go to the wrong state, which is hilarious to try to kill me, but that's a whole other story, but no, it's new people now. Oh, so okay. yeah, like I don't, and here's the thing. I look at all that. And I'm like, well, God told me this was all going to happen. So this is cool. I'm ready for the rest of it then. If you haven't been betr properly betrayed, you're not properly qualified. Daniel, right. We wouldn't have the blessing of salvation and redemption and forgiveness without betrayal. Like you wouldn't exist. Because if Jesus wasn't betrayed, what would have happened? You're exactly. never going to be So but That being said, when you're in it, you cry like a, I mean, I cry like a baby. I cried so hard once people sent the police to my house because they thought I was losing it. I mean, I've, I've cried buckets of tears over this. 
us getting to our organization getting defrauded by a, somebody that we've like been a friend to and mentored and been like uh well we were fam we were her family and for her to run the scam that she ran on us like that was heartbreaking but I'm glad all the other heartbreak and betrayal and all that's happened over the last three months because now it's like just one well, more we really are setting us up for something good God <laughs> so just one thank more. You. Well, yeah bring it on bring it on yes so how like what else do you is on your heart that you feel led to share um again i, I want to give the floor to you and then we can wind it down but please share anything else that's on your heart well anyone who's going through this i would strongly recommend that they seek true prophetic counseling and that being said it's not difficult to find i've seen the worst and the best because you often, if you have that prophetic word, you can hold on to it. Uh, Glenda Jackson told me years and years ago, she's going to come home broken and repentant. Jeff Jansen, of all people, picked me out of a crowd of maybe 500 people. He never actually saw me. He actually named my name and my age and the name and age of my daughter, my real names, and told me that she was going to pull souls from the gates of hell. So when you have those words, no matter how awful it is, no matter how much it seems like nothing's ever going to happen, nothing's ever going to change, or you're going to die first, or whatever whatever you think, you have those words to hang on to. Yeah, i got to tell you, those words, even the words that I didn't necessarily believe, I've had, or prophets that I no longer trust, they have given me words that saved my life and pulled me out of some serious dark stuff, and and I have still clung to those words because I've had other real legit prophets reveal themselves and confirm the word. And here's the thing. God has confirmed the word in myself. And those of you out there that are seeking prophetic words and you're talking to prophets, the one thing I can promise you, if it's a true word from God, then God, like from another person that you're getting, he will confirm it to you. If you ask for confirmation, he'll give it to you. But half the time, the prophetic word will never stick with you unless if you already believe it somewhere in your heart. Like somewhere deep down, even if it's covered with a lot of pain and hurt, mm -hmm. that word will penetrate all of it. So what she's saying is true. And, and it doesn't really matter who gave it to you because the gifts and calling are without repentance, which is why ministers continue to function when they're over here being wicked. Woo! The gifts and calling are without repentance. Look what happened to even Roberts in the Welsh revival. I, I'm not going to say the pastor's name, but um, actually, uh, he's one of the people that's getting exposed right now. His book, I remember it was my second, or yeah, it was my second, no, third time in jail. Third time in jail. And I remember reading that book. And that third, that when I read that book and I got out of jail, that's when I, I, I was like, all right, I'm going to turn my life around. I didn't give my life to Jesus then, but I did start doing the work to be better, only to get derailed a few years later again. That said, it planted a seed so that when I did give my life to the Lord, part of that was from that book. And so it's just, it's so mind it's a mind F. I can't think of a better word for it because you have these people that speak life into you and the word of God and they know every single word of it. And it's so passionate. 
when it comes out of them, and then you find out they're like believe they're going and doing these things that I'm not gonna say out loud. Right. It's like, how is this possible? But then I look at my own sin. Right. And, and while I'm not trafficking and you know, kids or trap I'm not trafficking anyone. While I'm not doing those things, I still have my own sin, which I do confess on the show, but I still have my own battles that I'm like, how I, it, it, it heart breaks my heart. But at the same time of all this, I want to be angry and lash out and all the evils and all the corruption. The fact is this, our, I think our energy is better used being mad at the devil and rejecting what the devil is. And, and, and going and running to Christ and wanting to live the life that we were created to live, which is denying the, the early pleasures and the, the things of this world and just seeking Jesus. And that doesn't sound fun. I'm telling you, sitting in church, listening to a preacher saying, deny the world and seek Jesus' face, seek God's purpose. That doesn't sound exciting to me. That doesn't sound exhilarating. Hold on. That doesn't sound like... I want to sign up for this Jesus thing. Because but let me tell you this. Let me tell you. The most, I, I'm a thrill-seeking adventurer. I love crazy. I thrive in chaos. Let me tell you this. My life with Jesus has been 25 times more crazy than it ever was when I was doing all the evil I was doing. The drugs, the sex, the abuse, the crime, all the, that, that seemed like a crazy life. My life with Jesus, whole other animal. And I'd much rather have this because I get joy and happiness and I don't have to be effed up to, to experience it. Well, we have to be cautious of who we trust, but most of all, we have to be cautious not to trust ourselves because Jeremiah says, True. our heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? That should be a plumb line upon which you check yourself, you know, from time to time. <laughs> so That's so True. Well, do you have anything that you, I feel like you have, should have a book to promote or something like that? Not at this point, no. But you know, And one of the funny things about doing this is I began to get cold feet after I spoke to you. And about two days later, one of my favorite prophets, her name is Julie Green, her video was entitled, It's Time to Tell the World What, what Your Enemies Have Done to You. Mm. That's pretty much what I'm doing. But I also have hope, and I know in my heart that the Lord is going to restore my family and my life and my children and the life and the mind and the soul of my daughter. And one day she might even be on your show. I, I, those words were about to come out of my mouth. I would love to have her on my show. <laughs> and just from when that happens, because that story can change. The, that It would change. Anyone who watched it, it would impact their life. Because anyone dealing with what she's dealing with right now, look, and I know she's hurt you, and it breaks my heart because it, when I'm seeing you, I'm seeing my mother and thinking about the hell that I put her through. And I remember when I gave my life to Christ, you know, she didn't believe it. Like, she was like, oh, that's great. But, it, you know, it took me walking this out for a while for her to go, oh, this is definitely real now. Um, but with that said, I still get emotional. <laughs> people I did to her and, and not, it wasn't like too well some of it was to her but I mean I hurt her the phone calls from jail calling her to tell her I had HIV 
telling her that I'm getting divorced again, telling her I'm marrying somebody I didn't know, telling her I didn't know what I was sexually. All of these hard conversations, all the times the cops brought me home, all of these things, I put her through hell. Yeah, and but now, you didn't cover yourself with blood while you were naked and put horns on yourself and say you were going to marry the devil. I mean, you know, it wasn't that bad. I've got, I've seen worse. I've seen worse. Oh yeah, it's, uh, it was pretty close. Anyway, mm. that, that said, I, I do. I'm praying for the day that you get to experience your daughter running into your arms and saying, "I'm sorry. Would you forgive me?" And you guys reuniting, and then her story. And you being an anchor for her to go out around the world and share her experience. And it's going to set so many people free from all over the world. And you will just get to be mom and grandma and, and, and be a happy woman for the rest of your years. Like, I pray that for you. Yeah, that's, that's my hope. I don't really have too many worldly wants, but that's one I do have. Well, I believe with all my heart that the Lord is going to restore that. So, And for every woman who is in my situation, I have several here in town and one in Florida, who the one whose child was killed. Jeez. And also the rest of her, one of our other children has what appears to be mental illness. We don't know if it's mind control. He claims that he has voices beamed in his head. And of course, you know, the voice to skull technology is real. I mean, it's just impossible to tell what's demonic, what's mental illness, and what yeah. is actually outside interference. And that was deliberate, I'm sure. But if oh, anyone no experiencing those things, no, you're not crazy. And yes, it's real, regardless of where the source of it is coming, it is real. Yeah. No, we're no. In a real battle. But we do have we do have someone to fight for us when we're down. And out. Any last words? No, I just thank you for having me on the show, and I just hope that anything I said could help someone. I'm I'm not through this battle yet, so I can't come and say, oh, you know, I've had the victory. I haven't. I mean, I spent a lot of time crying and and feeling sad. I mean, but you know, I, when I'm not doing that, I'm doing pretty well. Well, here's what I say a lot. Um, I haven't said it in a while, but I actually just started saying it again is that the truth attracts your tribe. And I believe by you speaking out, your support system is gonna come in droves. And I know you already have one. Mm -hmm. The more you speak out, the more women and, and men too, who are gonna come support you and wrap their arms around you. Um, and you guys are gonna become a safe place for a lot of people. And I honor you for what you're doing. God bless you. And if we can ever be uh, a platform for yourself if you want to come back and talk or anyone else that you know that is needing to be heard we welcome them because that's what we have this platform for well thank you i do know of a few people who might want to do that right. it's time and you are in our prayers and your dad gum right it is time it's time thank all you. right see you soon all right talk to you soon bye-bye wow i can't even imagine i can't even imagine uh, thank you so much for being here today. I, I appreciate you, and I ask that any of you out there uh, that watch this, you know, please keep her in your prayers. Uh, pray for reconciliation. It can happen. Um, I believe that God is the God of reconciliation, amongst many other things. And um, yeah, he 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 gets to do this. So your prayers help. 
Uh, so and keep her in your prayers, keep her daughter in your prayers, and any of you out there that are going through this, it's healing to talk about it. It's scary, <laughs> but it wouldn't be scary if it wasn't powerful. Anyway, God bless you. Thank you for being here, and we'll see you next time.